Are you dealing with the trials of a difficult marriage or going through a separation or divorce? Welcome to the club, friend. Life is messy and it can be hard. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I have good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. Please join me for my live weekly coaching calls on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. I share a different coaching tool or strategy every week that you can apply in your life right away. You can also ask questions or just listen in on the call. Go to ldsdivorce.com and sign up today. I am honored to have Josh Downs join me for a podcast interview today. Josh is a professional speaker and trainer. He has spoken to businesses, youth groups, and schools around Utah and across the country. His work has been featured on several local news shows, and he is the host of a faith-based podcast that is focused on personal growth and development called The Drive. He closely works with and speaks for a national nonprofit foundation called Stand for Kind, a foundation that is focused on helping teens navigate the challenges they face today. He is the father of two beautiful teenage daughters and a graduate from the University of Utah. Thank you so much for joining me today, Josh. It is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Now, likewise, it's great to be here. I'm I'm excited to share a little bit of my story and learn from you in the process as well. I know, like I said, that the great work that you're doing, especially in helping people through through divorce and some of the challenging aspects that life can throw at us. Oh, yes. You know all about that. So yeah. let's start by having you share a little bit about yourself and your life and where you're from, your education, background. Tell us about you. Yeah, absolutely. So born and raised in West Jordan, Utah, and I just haven't really moved too far from that place. I really spent most of my life just here in this little corner of Utah and uh, graduated, um, or I went on a mission. That was kind of the next big part of my life. I served in Mississippi and Louisiana. Okay, you went a little bit towards the South. (laughs) I did, I did. Although I got to be honest, when I, you know, as a teenager and I'm having all my friends go to, you know, England or the Philippines or Brazil, whatever, I was a little, um, probably let down when I opened up my mission call and saw Jackson, Mississippi. I'm like, I'm going to Mississippi. Okay. Yeah. My my grandfather, though, had served in um, Kentucky and my father served in Tennessee. So we kind of joke that there's something there that we've been meant to do uh, that maybe we haven't been able to get done. I don't know. But yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. No, I loved it. Love, love, love the South. Just some of the best people ever. It, obviously, whenever you get a call, that's where you're meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, from there, I came back, just started work, went to school. I graduated with uh, from the University of Utah in business administration. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to, to go into, but I knew business was a good general degree. My father taught, uh, he was a seminary institute teacher. And so I grew up in that environment. And the longer I was out in the workforce, the more I kind of realized I, I wanted to try to, to do that. I just, I loved everything that that career did for him. So I went through the hiring process and got hired on to teach seminary. After I graduated college and did that for 12 years. And then, as you know, I had some things change with that. 
But uh, I mean, that's that's a little bit. I have two. I was married for for twelve years. Got married about the same time I graduated college. A little bit later for those of us here in Utah. I was twenty seven. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Two kids, uh, two girls that are just they're my best friends, and you know it's they're uh, my oldest is sixteen, just finished her first year at high school, and my youngest is fourteen. She'll be going into high school next year, and uh, it's 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 been fun. But I got to tell you, these these two girls are just so down to earth, and I'm still waiting for it to be hard. Oh, <laughs> so, that's such a blessing. Uh, You're blessed. Yeah. I have, you know, five children. We have three girls and two boys. And people always ask me who is harder, the girls or the boys. And I was like, it depends on the day. Because <laughs> it depends sometimes on the day. it was the boys. Sometimes it was the girls. In general, I would say our boys were harder. I'm like you. I feel really <laughs> blessed. My baby is 16. All the rest of our kids are out of the oh, house. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I know what you mean, though. Those teenage girls, mm, <laughs> there's a lot going on with them. It's like well, so, happening. Yeah, I, I do a lot, of, a lot of work right now with parents, with teens. And, and yeah, they, there's some challenges out there. There's, there's some, some real, real challenges. So I've been very fortunate that I've been able to navigate a lot of those early on, I'm sure. Sure, the, the tough parts come, and they always do for us parents, right? Just they different do times, different ways. So. Yes, and something I've just recently learned is now that I have several young adults, is it doesn't end. Like you think the goal, <laughs> the, the finish line is like get them out of the house on a mission or launched in college, and then it yep. doesn't end. It keeps going. You're you're still so invested and just so concerned and praying. You just have a whole lot less influence, and so. <laughs> You really have to figure out when and how you want to get involved and if they want you involved, but it doesn't end. <laughs> I think I had my first epiphany of that when I was going through school and I finished. It was my very last day of getting my uh, bachelor's degree. And I remember walking out of that just thinking, I am done. I am done with school. I never have to walk into a classroom again. This is just such a surreal moment and feeling for me. Like, you know, you go for so long. And then a few years later, I remember my daughter coming up and to me and handed me um, a worksheet and saying, Dad, can you, can you help me with this? I don't understand. And I looked at it and I realized, oh my gosh, it's starting again. <laughs> I, am, I, am, I am going back to school. I'm starting to kindergarten. And I'm going all the way through it one more time. That's it right. Just, life life repeats itself, doesn't it? Which is it never stops. <laughs> it never yes, ends. It does. <laughs> well, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your story, whatever you're comfortable sharing about sure. your marriage, how it ended, and how your relationship with Heavenly Father helped you through your divorce. Yeah, no, boy, we can get we can get into some stuff here for sure. I guess you could say, I mean, my life kind of followed a relatively expected trajectory right early on especially growing up in the church there's just this kind of standard blueprint that's a part of your upbringing part of your expectation for your life and, and so mine mine pretty much followed that course although I did get married a little bit later than what I had originally wanted and that was a little little hard to kind of navigate and challenge you know challenging but got married when I was 27 and you know just did the marriage thing for 12 years you know, through the, the course of, of that, there was an element that I, I hadn't anticipated, a couple of them. And one was how difficult it would be at times to probably separate yourself from your own family mm -hmm. and, and really kind of 
create this new identity outside of that and to bridge two very different people with very different upbringings into one. And that was one of the really hard challenges. I grew up a certain way. I kind of thought things should be a certain way and she did too. And and so when they didn't really come together, that that was very difficult. At our time, probably disconnecting from my my family a little bit, cutting the, the apron strings and, and stuff. I, I loved, I was so, so close. If it's possible for family to be too close, that would probably be my, I think it is now that I've gone through what I've gone through. But it caused some some rifts, right, in, in the family. And, and I felt very pulled in multiple directions trying to still, I was the oldest in my family. So I felt a lot of responsibility for my my parents and to, to be there and support them, but then to try to find that, that balance with my wife. And then through the course of that, I, I noticed that she was just tired. She was really tired, low energy. She'd sleep a lot. And especially as newly married, you know, it was just thought it'd be different, right? That yeah. we let's go out and play, let's explore, let's let's do do some things. Come to find out, she had a condition called hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. That's what she was diagnosed at. But it apparently wasn't anything that couldn't be really taken care of without you know just monitoring the mm-hmm. thyroid levels, taking medication, supplementing. I think what happened is she kind of gravitated towards being tired and not having a lot of energy. I kind of gravitated towards, well, let me help. Let me take care of things. Let me, you know, do that for you, do this for you. I had no idea that my intent to help could actually hurt personal growth, development, confidence in herself. So I don't know. And honestly, in our our marriage, I, it was kind of the perfect combination of somebody that was willing to do probably too much and somebody that was okay in some ways doing too little. Mm-hmm. And, and so it developed a very unhealthy relationship where I became almost the caretaker. And she kind of gravitated towards being taken care of, you know, all, all the time. And and neither of those are healthy for the other person. Yeah. I didn't know that. I had no idea at the time, concepts like enabling and codependency and all that kind of stuff. I just, I just thought, you know, you just jump in and you serve and you take care of what you can. And if it's not good then or it's not working out it will all be made right in the resurrection one day right and when we get to heaven it will all be fine that's right you can't imagine how complex marriage relationships are and like you mentioned with your family of origin dynamics for both of you it it plays such a huge role and i i totally get it things can get complicated fast yeah yeah it, it really is and now you know that i mean we know that things hopefully be a little easier but still complex doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much experience we have but especially being that young um and inexperienced there there definitely was some some valuable life lessons to be learned from that i mean she's she's an amazing woman amazing mother just loves my kids but it just was a very unhealthy relationship just at the end of the day right and i had just as much responsibility in it as she did but it just gravitated to such an unhealthy level. It just wasn't working. And I kind of got to a point where I felt like it would always be that way. Like, you know, even though we tried some things, I always felt like I was being held back from my personal growth and development. She certainly was as well. She wasn't thriving. And so I came to a very difficult conclusion. I, I don't even know that I like came to it logically. It was more of an emotional conclusion. Like there was a point where I just broke and I didn't even know, Jen, that I could get to that place. I had, I just really thought in my mind, I was just going to troop her on, you know, through, through it until the next life and just get better then, I guess. But you know, I got to a place where, where I, I broke. I realized now that 
that was never God's plan. That's not his intent with marriage. <laughs> I know. You know. It took me a while, but I learned that. I know. I can relate to that for sure. Many people that are in difficult first marriages, especially when you marry young. I was married at 19. I just thought that's how it was. That's marriage is hard and it's just something difficult and we just have to endure. And that's not the Lord's plan. That is not what he wants for us. I understand that sometimes marriages end. Well, I'm trying to then rectify my upbringing and the cultural aspect that I had gone through and developed and never, never thinking that divorce would ever be a part of my life story to where I was at, where I just couldn't go on. That was that was one of the most difficult experiences of, of my life, for sure. And trying to navigate that, work through it, and, and accept that this was going to be my new reality. Boy, that was, you know, I, I think I, I remember reading that when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, they literally become this like gelatinous mush and mess, you know, as they kind of get reshaped into a butterfly. That's kind of what I was feeling like, just this complete, just mush, just gelatinous mess. Yeah. Everything was thrown into chaos. And another aspect of that, like I think I've shared is I was a seminary teacher at, at the time. So that was a very different component that I don't think a lot of people have had to, to experience where not only was I potentially looking at the end of my you know marriage, which was hard enough, but then to also put on top of that, ending a career that, yeah. that I loved with yeah. no recourse for what would happen next, no yeah, I didn't it realize that when I heard you speak about that before, I, I wasn't aware of that. Not growing up in Utah, I had known a couple of seminary teachers, but only, you know, ones who were CES directors in our stake. And I, I didn't really understand that that was the rule. As a seminary teacher, <laughs> you couldn't be divorced. I don't know. Is that still the case? I can't answer for sure. I know that it's been changed a little bit. Yeah, I don't think that you still can as a, as a man. I know that as a woman, you could be divorced. Okay. I think they're, we're moving you know, more towards that. There's yeah. obviously great, great precaution. I understood yeah. it. I, I knew that, I mean, if you would have seen the, the length of, of time and the process that I went through just to get hired, just, I, I mean, you would have thought I was applying for, a, you know, the CIA or, or, or NASA or something. The church, they are so careful about who they put in front of these very young and impressionable kids. And they wanted to put just the most ideal person and family, family, all that kind of stuff. Yes, that it is quite a grueling, <laughs> thorough process. <laughs> it yeah. is. It was at least back then. So I, I more than understood it. Certainly where I'm coming at, you know, from now, I, I love that the policy is getting softened, that times have certainly changed. There's so many more issues, I think, that have become more complex is certainly surrounding divorce. And the reality is half of my kids in those classes were coming from divorce homes. And to be able to, you know, stand in front of them and tell them that they don't have all the answers, that I don't know even what it's going to look like on the next life. But there's hope, right? And, and it's going to be okay, would I think just be would resonate with so many kids and something that they really need to hear. So I hope that that continues to work its way into to being an option at the right time in the right way for, for those kids. Me too. I agree. I yeah. think in all church leadership positions, I've seen more of that men and women serving in positions that previously they, they may not have been allowed to in every situation who have been divorced. Well, one of, one of the things I know that we've both done and, and I've heard uh, multiple times and from, from people that have been um, gone through hard things as well is one of the most important things we could do is to turn our mess, whatever that is, into our message, right? To help others through that as well. And 
And I'm sure the same was with you. I, I love talking to people and getting support while I was going through my divorce. But unless you'd been through it, yes, <laughs> nobody could really help. Those people just couldn't help. They just didn't get it. They didn't understand. And even for me, as much as I loved my family, and I couldn't even get the support I needed from them. Like yeah. it, it really... I had strangers that would reach out to me and I cherished their counsel and their words so much more because I know that they had been through it. They'd gone down that road and they were further ahead. And yeah, so I, I do, I think there's great value in being able to take these life experiences in whatever place we find ourselves, hopefully in some you know leadership positions at some point that that, that will be more acceptable uh, as well. Because I think it can, yeah, it can really be helpful to, to those of the others that go through similar things. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that completely. I can only imagine how much more complicated that made your decision to go through with divorce. You also had to find a new career. Tell us about yeah. that. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know, you know what would come next. I, I say this in, in jest, but at the same time, I also knew that just about any job that I probably could get would would at least pay as much, if not more. <laughs> so <laughs> the money true. aspect, you know, was was it yeah. wasn't too scary. But yeah, starting a whole new career certainly was, and and I loved what I did. I yeah, I just once I got to that point, there just wasn't any any going back. So I knew I had to move forward with it. I, I met with the higher ups at uh, you know within the the seminary institute uh, program and let them know what was going on. And they were very kind and allowed me to kind of resign at my own time and, and leisure. And fortunately, the timing came right at the end of the, the teaching year, because I'll tell you, to try to teach while going through something like this yeah. just couldn't have happened. It just So the, there was a lot of great little kind of blessings that came through the course of it. Um, happened right at the end of the year. So went into the summer with being able to kind of transition and try to find something else. And that's one of the things that I guess... When you go through something like this, I don't know how it was for you, but it was almost like I wanted God to appear and to tell me that this was okay, that this is what I was supposed to do. This was meant, you know, the direction I was supposed to. But as much as I went to the temple, as much as I prayed, as hard as I, you know, all those things, he just didn't, he didn't show up. He didn't tell me. I had some amazing experiences that kind of helped me take the steps I needed to forward. Right. And one of those was the the job that I found. It was my first interview that I'd done in gosh, you know, 12 years since I had got hired teaching seminary. It was in medical device sales, very hard to get into. I mean, it was a tough interview process, but I got offered the, the position and I needed that because if I was really going to move forward, I knew I needed something to take care of myself, of my girls, of my ex-wife and, and provide for, for everybody. So that allowed me to, to move forward. It was one of the great blessings, but at the same time, it was that transition. It was hard enough going through the divorce, but then to just be thrown into this whole new career and so different than what I was used to. I joke about it now, but I, it really went from having a evening with the general authority, listening to Elder Holland speak to my first regional meeting. I was on a really a booze cruise in the middle of Lake Tahoe with everybody drinking and drunk. I'm just sitting there with my bag of Cheetos and Dr. Pepper, just thinking like, what is happening to my life, right? What, this cannot be my life. What is, yeah. it was just so, so much, so fast. That's a it lot. Yeah, one extreme to the other extreme, <laughs> yeah, for was, sure. That was crazy. I can't imagine what that was like. Well, good for you. It's those opportunities that come at just the right time that are the sign. Yes. 
the Lord's going to help you here. He's going to open the next door. He's helping you. We just can't see past that next step. And I know that's hard for me and all of us. I would definitely direct people to read Elder Bednard's talk on tender mercies. Mm-hmm. That is just, and he, he makes point in there that, that one of the ways that we can see those tender mercies is often through the Lord's timing. And, and just some of those small things that happened to me as I was going through this and the, the, the timing and way that they came was a lot of what kind of helped me have the, the confidence and faith to keep moving forward. So he does, he, he shows up. It's not often and they're always the ways that we want, but if we look closely enough, he's he's a lot closer than what we, we think. I agree with that completely. And I'm so glad I kept a journal during that time better than mm-hmm. I do now. I'm sad to say, but there were so many, it felt like almost daily in the thick of it, in the worst part, when I just couldn't see past divorce and I couldn't really see ahead. I just felt every day, little tender mercies, just someone helping at the right time or getting the legal advice I needed. There's just so many little tiny things that have to happen. And you it's a whole new world you don't really know about until you're just thrown into it. And I really felt like I was in the deep end of the pool most of the time. Like, I can't touch the bottom. I can't reach the <laughs> side. Like, I'm waving my hands in the air like, someone help. They would come. Those little tender mercies would come and I'd be like, okay, I know the Lord is in this. And then I got to rely on it. Like I know what I need is going to come. I know someone's going to come. Like I really just felt so much help from heaven during that time. And I'm so grateful for that. I leaned heavily on Joseph's statement that he made in one of the latter sections of the Doctrine and Covenants, where he he kind of said, speaking of the, the work for the dead and the connection that we have with our ancestors. He said, you know, for they without us cannot be made perfect. But then he also said, for neither can we without them be made perfect. And then I just, I really believe that there is a deeper unseen connection and and help available from the other side. And who knows how many of our ancestors that have moved on are are engaged in in helping us and supporting us and going through these things in in unseen ways. Because I certainly felt like a lot of Little things that ha- happen, little unseen hands kind of guiding me through. It didn't make it easy, but it, uh, you know, it, it made it so I could at least keep taking a step forward. So true. I love that thought by Joseph Smith. Well, let me ask you, as someone who's been through divorce, many people come out a little jaded and cynical about getting remarried or getting into another relationship. How do you feel about getting remarried? Are you open to it? Were you excited? Like, yes, I'm going to do this over and get it right. Or were you like, I'm done? And I can answer any, any, any way here. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Be truthful. You go ahead. I'll tell you another part of my story real quick that I, I don't often share, but it, it really was the, the punch that I didn't see coming. Divorce as much as I didn't want it. And the marriage had been gravitating a lot towards it anyway. So I mean, there were things I was able to do to really support and, and and kind of embrace myself for it. I was in the fetal position most of the time going through it. But once I came out on the other side and started to date again, really slowly, it uh, it was exciting. I was I was excited. I was hopeful. I was optimistic. Like, you know, there was this rush of excitement, right? Everything's new again. And, and I remember thinking, well, I've been through it. I've, I've learned so much from it. I'm sure everybody else has. 
this next go around is going to be just so much better and, and amazing. <laughs> I had no idea one, how much work I still had to do on myself mm-hmm. and how much work other people have to do and, and how often many of us don't do it. And so one of the great lessons I've learned in my life, I learned it from a therapist who, uh, you know, because I went and got counseling. I, I was looking for anything and everything to help me through some stuff. And he said that he's learned in meeting with hundreds, thousands of people that life is designed to repeat itself until we get it right. Mm-hmm. Like these habits will can just because you go through a marriage and get divorced doesn't mean you're done. Yes. Like you will marry the same person again yes. and again and again until yes. you get it right. You'll date the same person again and again. So I didn't know this. I started dating and I met somebody pretty quick and it was just lightning. It was just lights out. I was, you know, if there ever was a Twitter painted, it was me. <laughs> I was just head over heels and I thought she was too. That was the thing. She said all the right things. She did all the right things. She really went above and beyond to, you know, make me feel safe and to let the walls come down. And so I thought I had found my forever person. And she had just come out of divorce as well. I think, yeah, she just was on the tail end of that. It was a relatively short experience relationship, uh, maybe about five months in. But it was just during all my favorite things with the holidays and Christmas and the fall. It was just so we shared so much. Anyway, my kids gravitated to her. I gravitated towards her kids. Just everything felt right. And then I I can't even tell you why to this day, it just came to an end. It came to the end in the most, I, I could handle a lot of, of different ways for relationships to end. I'm a very reasonable person. If somebody were to come to me and just say, I'm not feeling it anymore. I want to explore dating other people. What, I'm like, okay, I don't want you to be with me if you don't want to be with me. She was very conflict avoidant, like to an extreme, to the point where she literally just stopped communicating completely. You hear of ghosting, right? But it's usually right. after a date or two. Right. But I was I was pretty much ghosted after planning almost getting married. Like we had talked about it, all this kind of stuff. Just wow. ended it. Yeah, cold, that's hard. hard. You don't even get to find out like why and what are her feelings and like there's no resolution. There was none. Yeah, there was none. So just happened so quickly quick and so abrupt. And and then just some things after that, I, I remember seeing a picture that she posted at a restaurant. I could tell she was with somebody else and it it was like a gut punch. That is what really broke me. The, the pain that came from that, it was something that I had I'd never really fully felt before. And when I tried to understand why it was so difficult, the same therapist friend of mine said, a glass of water to somebody is, it's just typically a glass of water, but a glass of water to somebody that's been through kind of the desert, it's a lot more, right? Exactly. And I think that, that was a part of it. These mm-hmm. were all new experiences and it was so intense and I just, I got so attached, so quick. So that's, that's what difficult, really... especially right after divorce. You're already yeah. just healing and just recovering and rebuilding yourself. That's tough. Well, so, and I felt like I navigated divorce okay. Like, and I held on to my faith. Uh, I was going to the temple. I was doing all those kinds of things. But that punch that broke me. That that broke everything. It wasn't that I was just even questioning God. It, because of that experience, I questioned every or questioning love. It was I. I I started questioning everything. 
yeah. questioning myself and the way, you know, trusting my own instincts and feelings. I was so certain about this, questioning God, like, because I thought here he was, he had showed up for me. I had been through so much already, lost so much. He's, he's you know, blessing me. And, and then in some ways I felt like, because I never had that kind of experience, even in my marriage where it, there was just such a closeness and she was so active and engaged in everything, just total opposite. And it was almost like I felt Heavenly Father was giving me a glimpse of what could be. But then saying, okay, but you need to go back into your cage for a little bit. And, and you know, and I didn't want to. I was fighting. I I was angry about everything you can imagine I was I was feeling. And I, I never was one to really rebel, but I stopped fighting. I just was, I was done. I was tired. I was beaten. I was broken. So I would say I just kind of gave up for a, a period of time mm-hmm. as a result of that. And that uh, I think what I've, I've learned through the course of that is, is to be patient with yourself and to understand that these feelings that you, you'll have, regardless of you know your story and going through them, is they're very real. And it's okay to feel them. Mm-hmm. It's okay to, to be broken. It's okay to be angry. Right. That you've got to go through, you got to feel it to heal it kind of a thing. And and to, you know, at first I was adding to it by making myself feel more guilty or ashamed for feeling those kinds of things. But I've kind of since learned that you got to give space for those. And so it's a long way of saying that, yeah, I, because of that, I came out from my marriage and that experience being definitely more guarded. Yeah. And, and probably I would say a little more jaded towards, towards a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I think that's okay. I know in my head that marriage is good. (laughs) I know that God is taught that it's a part of the plan and his plan and and eternity. But I've also come to recognize that I've been hurt in really, really deep ways. And those things don't just heal overnight. And, And I think part of that hurt is, is actually meant to help. Right. Because it becomes a little bit of a filter to not jump into similar situations again. Yeah. Right. To learn from them. Mm-hmm. The trick is just to not let yourself be so closed off that you, you know, never open up to anybody. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now is is still learning to try to open myself up, to be trusting, to believe that, you know, I can have everything that I thought that I was so close to getting. Long answer to that question. That's yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of people go through something similar. I loved your analogy about the water when you've been in the desert. Many of us come out of divorce thirsty and in a desert, and we feel like we've already had that period of dry, hot heat where we're suffering and we're not having the life we want, or we're not feeling fulfilled or appreciated, enjoying a marriage. It happens a lot, actually. Many people that I know and clients I've had have had similar situations happen quickly. And many get remarried very quickly and then end up divorced again (laughs) because they jump so quickly into marriage. So it's a blessing that you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the way I I look at it now. And as I've done a lot of this work and trying to say at that point, that's what started the journey. It wasn't really even my divorce. It was that experience that was like, okay, I need to understand what happened to everything. I need to understand why I felt the way that I did, why my marriage, first of all, fell apart, but why she did what she did, why I responded the way that I did, why my life has gone this this direction, what it all means. And that's what really started me on this path of, of kind of trying to understand myself and people in general, why we do what we do. I came to, to learn that 
one of the greatest struggles I think we all have is with insecurity mm-hmm. and in really learning to embrace our identity, who we really are, as opposed to what we think we should be or focusing on what we're not, just learning to love who we are as a person. One, and you probably heard me share this on some of the other platforms we've been on, but one of the great life lessons I've taken away, all lessons I've learned, ironically, from all places, came from the movie Cool Runnings. Um, Do you remember that show? Oh, I love it. My husband loves that movie, too. That's his favorite movie of all time. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yes. That scene where the captain of the bobsled team He's been wanting to ask his coach a question for a long time. And it was simply, coach, why did you cheat to get a, a second gold medal, right? You you had everything that we could ever hope to have. And it wasn't enough for you. He couldn't rectify how he could cheat to try or need to feel a need to cheat to get a second gold medal when he'd already won one. John Candy, who played the coach, gives just such a profound answer when he said, you know, it's a fair question. He said, a gold medal is a wonderful thing, but... If you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. Then, yeah. you know, the follow-up question is, how will I know if, if I'm enough? He said, well, when you cross that line, you'll know. Mm-hmm. As I've kind of processed that, I thought, you know, in a lot of ways, that really is God's plan summed up in, in a simple statement. Life in a lot of ways is an experience in loss. There really isn't much that we can keep indefinitely, right, or forever other than covenants and things that, that we make. But even then, there's just a hope, right? We're, we're still acting on faith. We came into this world with nothing, and, and we're going to leave it with nothing. Yet, we spend the, the rest of the majority of our life chasing after things that we can't take with us, right? And God has in mind to give you and I everything, like everything. I don't even, that doesn't even compute fully what, what yeah, that means. Yeah, I don't think we can really understand that yet. <laughs> no, no. I, one of my favorite verses is where Paul says, uh, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Basically saying like, you think of the very best of how it could be or what you could do or what you'd want. And yeah, that's, it's not right. even close. I mean, which gets me excited because I could think of some pretty amazing. I know, I know. Things, I can't right? wait to see what all is in store, right? It's amazing. But, but the irony is, yeah, that, that we'll only be ready for that when we are enough without it. And, and that's where we have the example of, of the Savior, right? To come here as in a manger and to go through what he did and to just all glory and power be, you know, to Heavenly Father, that's the epitome of, of how we need to be and why he is now in the position that he is, why he's been given everything that he's been given, because he, he didn't need it, unlike Lucifer, right? Right. Um, that's one of the things I, I kind of took away. And I think if I share anything that would help the people that you work with, is to understand that a person never can and never should fully complete you. To learn to be enough without somebody is the best way for you to learn to be enough with them. Yeah. And if I can go back and do it again, one of the things I would have probably made more of a point to do is, is to, to learn to be okay being alone. Mm-hmm. You know, And it's hard because you're used to the security blanket of a marriage, right? Of, of having yeah. somebody there. So it's really easy. That's why I think we see people just jump right back into relationships and things way too soon because they're trying to fill a, a void in, in themselves. They probably be a, a little bit better, a little more wise to just learn to be enough yourself, yeah. right? Come to love who you are, recognize, because at the end of the day, we can't control people. They're going to come and go. Things will come and go. We're not meant to control everything. So the more we can learn to just be enough 
without things, I think the more prepared and, and the more enough will be with them. That's beautiful, so. Josh. That's perfect. I was going to ask what your advice would be for someone who was, let's say, just getting a divorce or their marriage just ended. So that's beautiful. I think that's the perfect place to start is adjusting and, and being okay, being alone. That's when you can become a whole complete person on your own. That's the perfect time to rebuild and, and look forward to another relationship in the future. It really is. In, in some ways, I mean, you can almost see it as you know, a gift might be a strong word, but yeah. it's, it is, you know, it, it, it is, it's an opportunity that very few, well, not very few, but not everyone has, right? A lot of people probably continue to need to learn this through the course of their life and, and having relationships, being in relationships, but it's almost like an expedited experience in course. Or when you go through divorce, like you really do have to learn to, to be enough without not just a person, but enough without the life that you had envisioned for yourself. I mean, you really are, are learning to put it all on God's altar yeah. and to, to trust him that even though you can't see everything, you know, or how things are going to work out or what things, how things are going to look like in the end, that it's going to be okay. And it's going to be all right. And I think the thing that I love most about going through that experience is, is although it was incredibly, incredibly painful, and I never want to go through it again. I remember Victor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, talked about the intense pain that he went through and losing his wife, basically his whole life as well, being thrown into a German concentration camp, suffering the way that he did, losing everything. He said that, you know, the crowning achievement for the homecoming man or when you kind of get back to being yourself is that you have nothing to fear anymore, but your God. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a very wonderful place to be at where you don't fear life as much, right? Like you probably can attest to this, that the, the pain of going through divorce just changes you. Another great movie. You've seen um, Emperor's New Groove. Yes. <laughs> yes. You, where Cusco is tied on that log and they're going down the river. He's already been through so much, right? Yeah. He yeah. can't see ahead of what's what's coming. Right. He can just hear some things and he hears uh, his his friend that's tied to the log with him just go, uh oh. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, uh, let me guess. Uh, big waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom. Yep. Most likely. <laughs> Uh, bring it on, bring it on. Right? <laughs> like, at this point, I'm good. Yeah. And, and that's kind of now how I approach life. It's it, the things that once got me afraid or caused me anxiety don't anywhere near as much as they once did. Yeah. So that's it's beautiful, it's God, Josh. Yeah. It's, it's just God's way of, of taking things. It's this what he does. He can take, uh, how does he say it in, in the scriptures? All these things shall give the experience and shall be for that good. He can take even the worst of these experiences and cause us to, to learn from them and have them to end up turning to us for good. And I just, I love that about it. Oh yeah, me too. And I think it's very profound statement. What you said, you learned um, from your counselor about, we will repeat things. We will have these same opportunities over and over until we learn the lessons from them. The most important things I've learned in divorce and I try to help others to learn is that there's so many lessons in that marriage that's over now. Like they're just jewels. They're waiting for you. If you can own as much as possible and just decide, I am going to 
take this with me, this valuable lesson that's just sitting right there for you to recognize and realize it can be such a benefit and a blessing to you going forward. And I really believe you're not going to repeat that one. You're not going to make that mistake again. Just learn it. Well, that's, oh, sure. that's the trick, Jen. That's the key. And it, even it was taught this week in our Come Follow Me. In you know, I reference in my podcast on that this week, just that here's here's the Lord sitting with his apostles and he basically says, hey, one of you, by the way, are going to betray me. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be human nature to just be like, oh, that's it's got to be Mark. Mark's Mark's for sure got to be him or Peter. Totally. Like he thinks he's so good, right? It's got to yeah, be. Yeah, it's him. probably him. You know, it's probably him, right? Yeah. We have it's human nature to point fingers at others. And when our marriages and when a marriage comes to an end, it's natural. It yeah. took me a while to work through that too. It was really easy yeah. to be like, well, it's her, her, her. When we're in pain, it's so hard to point the finger inward. But that's the only way that it we take our power back and get out of that victim mentality and really can learn and grow from it. Is when yeah. we ask, Lord, is it I, right? What's my part? What did I do to contribute to this not working out? Because at the end of the day, we all could do better. And that's, oh, yes. it's, you know, and granted there are certain situations, right? Where, okay, one person really made some choices that caused things to, to break down. But still, even in those, like, okay, what could I have done to improve yeah. or to do better so that the next go around or yeah, just learning and growing from it. That's that's all we can do. And that's really what life's about is we're here to gain experience, yes. not have everything go perfect, but you and I are different and hopefully better as a result of the experience that we've been through. And that's, that's invaluable yeah, to take. For you know, sure. With. It's beautiful. So as you know, a teacher, I've always been a teacher, just always loved teaching, but bless these, these poor bishops hearts, right. That are out <laughs> there trying to help these people navigate things. Yeah. I just kept being told, read your scripture, say your prayers and everything be oh, fine. And it, they, I just wasn't getting the answers that I needed. I wanted to understand myself, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and so I recognized that there had to be more out there. So I turned to coaching myself just to try to understand things. And I was taught some profound things. That's where I started to, to learn about enablement and codependency and, and how to, to, you know, balance the equation of feeling like you're enough when things don't go right. And, and just why, you know, I was doing the way that the things I was doing, why just making more sense of it. Now I can see just things so much more clearly. Yeah. Human behavior isn't really a mystery. It just takes work to, to understand it. So that is what kind of started my, my journey. Yes. And I, in the church, especially, we, we tend to turn to our ecclesiastical leaders for, for guidance and for help and for counseling, unfortunately. And they're not, they're not yeah. counselors. Yes. They have a huge weight on their, their shoulders to try to guide, you know, members of, of the church and wards. The, the epiphany came when I was listening to, a, um, I think it was a TED talk from Brene Brown on, on shame. And it was so, so good. And I was listening to that. I was just like, man, I loved how that she presented it in such a way that was so easy to understand. But there was a part of me that was like, man, where have I heard this message before? And then then it, it dawned on me, oh, the Garden of Eden <laughs> from the very beginning of time. Wow. God's been teaching this, right? Where Adam and Eve make this mistake. And what does Satan do? He comes and he tells them to hide.
hide. Yes. It tells them to hide. And when they do that, right, it, it prevents them from being able to grow and to, to change. And the longer that you're in dark places, the more comfortable you get. And the only way to, you know, work through those things is to become vulnerable, right? Come out yeah. of hiding. And then here's God. He comes and asks Adam, you know, where he was, Eve. He knew exactly where they were. I know. I love that. <laughs> That's always been corner, funny right? to me that he said, yeah. where were you? Yeah. But he's brilliant because he's allowing them to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, the answers are there in the scriptures. And if we could find ways to connect all these things that we're learning about faith, growth, and development, because I really think there's a movement, which is so good to see. But if we can connect that back to God and, and, and see like he's been teaching this stuff all along, it's just it's buried in there a little bit, mm -hmm. a little hard to understand because of the language that was used back then. I think it brings in a, an added power to, to the coaching and to the mentoring, to the ability to change and grow and improve, which again is why I, I love connecting with coaches like yourself, because I know that that faith component is in there and we just need that today. We need the secular. We need to understand these kinds of things, but we certainly need God as a part of it. So I agree. We have to partner those two. That's where we're going to see the biggest amount of growth and people truly connecting with God and realizing their own value and worth in, in such a bigger, more expansive way than without God. You I don't know? know how we really find our worth independent of him. I, I when If you figure that out, let me know, because I don't think it can be done. It's just... I feel uh, like the secular world has the tip of the iceberg. They have the idea, but to understand the depth and the connection with God that we all have, that we yeah. have his divinity within us. And that's what makes <laughs> us so infinitely worthwhile and valuable. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. Well, and how many times, you know, in scriptures is, uh, have any, has anyone had an experience with him and just not came out a better person with a better view of life and themselves. I mean, just example after example, when people connect with God and feel of his love, it just changes everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can study all that we want about personal growth and development, but that's how we really experience it is, is through him, through his power. That's, that's his work and his glory. He's, he's the best out there. As much as I love Brene Brown and, and yes. all those others, right? Tony Robbins. I'm uh -huh. sorry. I will sign up for, for God's class any day of the week before anyone else Else's. And it helps me as a coach because I recognize I, it, I'm i not the coach. Like yeah. my job, it's my job to help guide them to connect with the one who is the real coach. And, yes, and I agree completely. That's when you see real miracles happen in people's lives is when they can get out of their own way and really accept God's love for them, open up and humble themselves enough to make the changes that God is inviting them, giving yes. them opportunities to make. So 100%, that's beautiful. 100%. Yeah, well, I see that you have a new book coming out. That's so exciting. Gratitude Comes First, a guide to finding greater happiness. I would love to hear about that. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I'm hoping to put more of these out. I, I, I do a podcast, but I've, I've wanted to just kind of put all these things together into some of the most helpful messages that can kind of help people navigate life's challenges. When I was first married, I had an experience where I went to Hawaii uh, on our honeymoon and we went to Maui and there's in Maui a, a destination called Hana. And there's a road. Have you ever been there? You ever uh -huh. been there? Yeah. Died yeah, the road yeah, to Hana. It's amazing. Yeah, the road to Hana. It's, you know, and it, I remember I first got there. Somebody said that we had to do that. When I kind of pull it up and, and look more into it, I'm like, it's a two- it's like a two lane windy old road and it takes like four hours to get there. Why, 
why would I want to do that? Right. It's just, it must be one heck of a destination. And somebody said, no, it's, it's, it's really not. It's, I mean, it's a really cute little town. You know, you get a little snow cone. I'm like, well, then what's the point of driving that far to get there? They said, well, all along the way are some of the most incredible beaches, emerald pools, gardens that you'll ever see. So we decided to give it a shot and oh my goodness, absolutely it was, right? The I mean, I, I think we counted five. I think there was red sand, white yes. sand, regular sand, sand, red yes. sand. There were black sand beaches. Unbelievably beautiful. That's some of the emerald pools you could get out and kind of mm-hmm. explore and swim in. And some of the gardens, that, it just was mind-blowing. So, I mean, it was a whole day experience. And I learned from that lesson that if we focus too much on the destinations that we have for ourselves, that we could very easily miss some of the best parts along the way. And so that's what got me started to put my podcast out there is I wanted to help people learn to focus on the journey more than the destination. And I found that in doing that, the destinations often just take care of themselves. The more we try to chase after something, the, the harder it seems to be to get, the more it eludes us. And, and so as I look back on my transition through divorce and, and all the things I've gone through, the thing that's kind of helped me to, to find joy again, when I thought that I just couldn't, you know, my life isn't anywhere near what I thought it would be or wanted it to be. Yeah. So there's still days where I can feel down, but the, the quickest solution for myself and really all those that I work with has been to just help them implement and myself implement a daily practice of gratitude, like learning to focus on the good parts of of life. They share a story about a a professor that gave a test to his class where he just on one side of a piece of paper was a black dot. And he asked them to to write down what they saw on the piece of paper. And every single student just wrote about the black dot. And he said, why didn't any of you focus on the white space? You know, look how much there is that's white. And none of us tend to focus on that. That's so true. We, we're so inclined to see the negative that we miss so much of the positive that's still around us. So when I began to make that shift, and it was hard. Sometimes I had to fake it a little bit. Like, it's just mm-hmm. a hard day. Like, okay, what am I grateful for? But the more that I did that, it's almost like exercising a muscle. And the stronger I became came and the more I defaulted to that when there were hard things or difficult things or bad things, right? And I I just started to see life differently. I started to see uh, each day differently. And and that helped me to, I think, again, take my eyes off the destination and just focus more on the journey and find joy in that process and recognize like, even though there's a lot that I don't have and a lot that's happened that I didn't want, there is still so much that I do have. And there's so much that I am grateful for and, and that is bringing me joy here and now. And by focusing on that, I think in some ways, that's how we keep our eyes on Christ instead of the storm, right? So we don't sink kind of like Peter did. Yeah. Take our eyes off of the Savior. It's like taking our eyes off of gratitude and all the things that he's doing and has done. And we focus on the problems and we can start to sink pretty fast. So that book is just kind of a documents a little bit of my journey going through divorce and and the impact gratitude had on helping me uh, navigate it and, and changing me and as a person and a lot of the concepts and principles about how to implement that wherever you are right in your life and in helping you navigate some of the challenging things and just find more joy in the journey. Oh, I love that. And I didn't even have to ask you, you answered what <laughs> does finding joy in the journey mean to you? You answered it just beautifully. It's finding gratitude, looking to the savior in the storm. Just just beautiful. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I love the work that, that you're doing. The more any of, of us can do to kind of help others and kind of navigate through these things, that's it's invaluable.
Thank you. And I appreciate you speak to divorce so openly and you're willing to share your story. Like I said, I I went through a little bit of a period where I I did let go of of my faith for a period of time, at least to the extent that I used to have it. And yeah, it it doesn't work. It just doesn't like we, we, we need it, but learn to recognize, be patient, you know, with myself and, and kind of go through the course I needed to, to to heal. Mm -hmm. And, And I would say that for, for anybody else, just it's okay where you are and it's okay to be feeling what you're feeling, but whatever you can do to move towards faith instead of over away from it, you'll be grateful that, that you did in the yeah, long run. That's so great. Thank great you, question. Josh. This has just been wonderful. I'm so grateful for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. If you're ready to dive deeper into this work and learn the tools and the skills you need to change the trajectory of your life forever, go to ldsdivorce.com and sign up for a free consultation with me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. There is so much more. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.